Well, 180, I am excited to be here with you tonight. Thanks, Dylan, for that introduction. I know, I give him lots of grace because I know he's just dealing with repressed feelings where he really loves Taylor Swift but can't admit it, so he has to lash out at somebody. I will, I will let you lash out at me, it's okay. But uh, We're going to be continuing in our series that I'm loving um, where we're seeing the parables. Parables all throughout the New Testament. Jesus uh, uses parables to help reorient, reorient our hearts and our minds towards really what the kingdom of God is like. I'm really excited for the passage we're going to look at, but then I actually got a little more nervous as the week went on because I realized this parable is actually really challenging and people might not like me I have to, if I have to share the things that Jesus shares in this parable. So the hope is um, that you aren't angry at me, but more with Jesus uh, and Jesus can deal with that and help us point us towards his goodness and his grace and his change because what we're going to look at tonight in Luke 14 is Jesus kind of goes at our hearts. He goes after the excuses we make in our lives. All of us, are. I see looks already. We're like, oh gosh, I do. I kind of want to leave right now. Excuses. But isn't it incredible how natural excuses are to us? We are, we are naturally born excuse makers right? Um, I've been in ministry a long time, as Dylan might refer to, a while. Um, and so over my time on staff with crew or leading as a student, I've invited hundreds and hundreds of people to Bible studies, right? And it's really kind of funny. I was thinking about all the excuses where someone doesn't just say, no, I'm not coming tonight, which would be fine, right? Um, I don't expect everyone to come every week to my Bible study, but I think about some of the most common ones. Usually it's homework is one of them. And then the other one is about sickness. So often I would get, you know, oh man, I'd love to come tonight, but I'm sick. Like, okay, that's understandable. But it was interesting, the iterations of sickness that I, that I would start to hear about. So I heard, oh yeah, no, I'm sick, so I, I can't come. Okay. And then I'd hear, hey, my roommate's sick, so I'm not able to come this week. And then eventually I'd get to like, hey, my mom's sick. So I can't come to Bible study. And it's like, oh, I don't quite understand the connection. Maybe you got to help. And then I got, um, my mom's uncle is sick, <laughs> which really was throwing me for a loop. But the best one I heard was, <laughs> my mom's brother's dog is having surgery, so I won't be there this week. And I was like, I don't, I'm so lost on what's going on. Like, are you giving this dog one of your kidneys? What is, what is happening? <laughs> where the dog surgery would prevent you from coming. But you know, we, are, we just all naturally have excuses. I'm going to have you say a phrase out loud. Don't fill in the blank after it, but I'm going to have you say a phrase, and then I, I want you to think about what comes to your mind, all right? I want you to say, I would, but. All right, say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. I would, but. And you probably have like three or four things already come to your mind, right? You're like, oh, I got my go-to's. I got that one I save in my back pocket in case it's a really big deal. We're natural-born excuse makers. Um, the problem with excuses is they're actually, especially in our relationship with God and what he calls us to, is they're a result of sin in our lives. Our natural tendency to excuses is because we have a natural tendency towards sin. And because of our sin, 
there's always going to be an excuse. The problem, though, with excuses is they actually exclude us from the great blessings that God has for us. Especially as we look at a parable here in a few minutes about a banquet where there's a feast, our excuses keep us from the feast of God's goodness and glory towards us in Christ. But there's hope because Jesus tells this parable to us to reorient our thoughts and our minds so that we begin saying yes to Jesus. All right, so if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 15. Jesus has been telling a bunch of parables. Um, I'll tell, t- talk a little more background here in a moment. But he says, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Uh, and at the time for the banquet, he sent a servant to say, those who had, uh, to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me, or, um, yeah, please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done. There's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. This is a parable all about the excuses that keep us from the glory that God has in store for us in Christ. See, Jesus has been telling parables. Parables are incredible. Sometimes they're a little bit longer stories, sometimes a little bit shorter. Sometimes there's these short, pithy, almost sayings. And they're almost always about the kingdom of God, about the way God works in this world. The reason he uses parables is because we're so accustomed to the way we think God would work that God uses these stories to change our imaginations to realize usually the kingdom of God is flipped upside down. In the kingdom of God, often the first are last and last are first. Those on the outside become those on the inside. Those on the inside become those on the outside. All the ways we're used to thinking about who God would care about, how God would care about them, and how we've come into a relationship with God are flipped through these parables. And the parables, they're meant to change our imagination, but they're almost meant to be tried on for size. If you've ever tried on some clothes and you're like, hey, does this fit me? When Jesus tells parables, he wants us to There's lots of usually different characters, and he wants to say, ooh, does this parable fit me? Often, we're the bad person in the parable. Uh, That's just the secret. When Jesus is telling it, he's telling it because he wants us to realize, oh, he's talking about me in this parable. Well, here, he's eating with some religious figures, the Pharisees. And Jesus and the Pharisees, oh, man, this is like a great movie that's been happening. There's been this increasing tension and conflict Um, They're seeing Jesus do things that change their expectations of how God's at work in the world. They're actually getting pretty angry with him. They're going to begin plotting to kill him, to end his life. But Jesus is now eating dinner with a bunch of them. And some of what he's been talking about is, uh, he's saying, hey, um, it's not here, but right before this passage, hey, when you go sit down at this great feast, why do you sit in these seats of honor? Why do you kind of jockey for position for who's number one? Why don't you like humble yourself 
and be last, and then someone could lift you up, or someone could honor you. So he's kind of pushing against some of their pride. And he's saying, hey, when you throw all these feasts, you religious leaders, I notice there's, n- there's no one here in the room that's a little bit more poor. I notice that there's no one here that doesn't have much power. Actually, everybody in this room seems to benefit you. Almost like you're throwing a political fundraiser and you're getting people on your side. Have you ever noticed that? Why don't you invite the other people? So the tension's building at this dinner. So this guy kind of breaks the tension. Almost like if you had a family, you're starting to feel some tension during your family and someone's like, oh, I'm just so glad we're all together, right? They just interrupt to break the tension. This guy's like, well, whoever is going to eat, well, just blessed be everyone that's in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, oh, he kind of, kind of set one up for me. And he begins to tell this parable about this feast. In the parable, there's a guy who's throwing this incredible feast. And people have pretty much RSVP'd to this feast. That's what has to happen, right? There's no way to use all the, like, the Evites or whatever it is to be able to, to say, yes, I'm coming. So there would have been an initial invite going out saying, hey, the party's happening in a few weekends. Can you come, this feast? And then people would have said, yes. And then what would have happened? He would have sent out a servant to say, hey, the meal's ready. Be there today at six. So, but they've already committed because you can't put the meat back in the refrigerator. There are no refrigerators, right? There's nowhere to store the food. He's prepared for them. But now he goes out, and there's all these excuses for why people can't come. And what's interesting is there are some pretty legitimate excuses there, right? When you initially read this, it's like, man, uh, well, the guy said he could come, but now he's like, hey, I went to buy a field, and I got to go take care of this deal, right? Like, I got to go take care of it. I'm so sorry. Please excuse me. The second guy seems decently legitimate. Hey, I, got, I bought these animals that will be working my farm. It actually costs a bit of money. I need to go make sure everything's okay. I can't make it. And the other one, the guy's like, hey, I got, I got married. I can't come. All these seem pretty legitimate. You know, well, the first one's kind of this excuse where there's opportunities that are there. Hey, like that, this feast sounds awesome, but I got some better things going on right here that I really could really set me up well for the future. I got these opportunities. I'm sorry, I can't make it. The second one's really trying to set himself up for success. Like, hey, I would love to be there, but man, if I can just get this oxen and get this business, get my farm going, I'm going to be in a great position for success. So I'm sorry, I can't make it. Hope it goes well. And the third one's relationships. Hey, I mean, I would love to be there, but you know, got the wife and all, and we just got married, and you know, married, and honeymoon, and all that kind of stuff. I got to take care of this relationship. What Jesus is getting at, though, with these things is there's some legitimate, possible good things going on here. But often the excuses that you and I have are just masks over our true priorities. What we really want. What we really think is important. And for everybody in this story, but unfortunately for you and I, a lot of us have hidden priorities. We say, yes, Jesus, I will say yes to you. Yes, I'll put myself in a position to walk with you. But inside, we're not so sure. So the excuses come out. See, these things are possible good things. But good things, when they become ultimate things, are actually bad things. If you take a good thing 
and make it the most important thing, it takes that good thing and makes it now a bad thing for you. Does that make sense? So you can take a good relationship, but if you take that relationship and put it above all your other relationships, especially your relationship with God, and say, this relationship is more important than my relationship with God, that potentially good thing is now actually a kind of unhealthy thing. If you take a desire to get good grades, which is awesome, right? To work hard for your future, but you take that and you say, actually, that's now the most important thing. That getting good grades and setting yourself for the future is now actually a little bit of a bad thing because it's taken the place of where God should be. Excuses often just mask our true priorities. This is where I get a little nervous sharing this, right? This is Jesus going after you and I. What's probably out of those three, out of like the opportunities or success or relationships? If God were to say to you, hey, I want you to fill in the blank, whatever that is. Hey, I want you to prioritize daily making time for me. Hey, I want you to go on a mission in the next year. Or say yes to far retreat. I want you to prioritize Christian community, going to church and Bible study. Which of those three probably keep you the most from there? Where you're like, God, I would, but fill in the blank. Because we all have those things. You know, excuses, they kind of play out in all sorts of different categories. There's a guy I was working with a number of years ago. His name was Jordan. Jordan was awesome. Business major, Kind of had his life pretty well, seemed put together. God had been putting on Jordan's heart um, to reach out to some friends around him about walking with Christ. And so Jordan had a friend, his name was Jason, actually, ironically. Um, and Jordan had all of his classes. He was in cluster with his friend Jason. Now they're past cluster. They would work out regularly. And God had just been putting on Jordan's heart, hey, invite Jason to church with you. So Jordan, when he and I met up for discipleship, we'd meet one-to-one every week, um, walking through the scriptures, encouraging him in his walk with the Lord. He said, hey, I really want to invite this guy. Can you hold me accountable to that? I was like, you sure? He said, yeah, yeah, definitely. This is what I want to do. So Jordan showed up. Um, we talked about like, how he can initiate with Jason, kindly invite him to church. I was like, all right, this week, invite him. Jordan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, next week, Jordan comes in to meet with me and Baker. And he sits down and talk a little bit about his weekend. I'm like, hey, Jordan, how'd it go with Jason? Did, you, like, did he come to church with you? And Jordan's like, well, yeah, this week was actually pretty busy. Like we had some big group projects. And so we actually just, I didn't have time to bring it up. Like, okay, bro, that happens. Um, next week though, you're going to try that? He's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Next week, Jordan comes in. This time he doesn't quite make as much eye contact with me. And he walks in to hang out to, um, Jordan, how'd it go? Well, I didn't talk to Jason. I didn't invite him to church. Well, what happened? He's like, well, you know, we were working out, but it just it didn't seem like we had the right time. Like, his, his life was a little bit busy. Uh, just kind of felt like we were talking about other stuff. It just didn't come up. All right, man, another excuse. That's all right. That happened a few more weeks. Another excuse, another excuse. One week, Jordan walks in to meet with me. I'm kind of prepared for the excuse, and he kind of has this smile on his face. It's like, Jordan, what's up, man? How'd it go? He's like, well, you'll never guess what happened. I was working out with my buddy Jason, 
and I didn't ask him to church, but on the way out as we were um, kind of leaving the gym, he said, hey, Jordan, do you go to church anywhere around here? I've been looking for one for a number of weeks. <laughs> you could just see some of the shame, but some of the relief on Jordan. But there's just that sense that God was already at work in his life. God had good things that Jordan could have participated in. He could have helped Jason way earlier, but Jason had excuse after excuse after excuse. Because of our sin, there's always going to be an excuse. The problem is our excuses keep us from the good things, right? Jesus is talking about a feast. He's not, tell, he's not like asking us to go do our homework or to clean our apartment. He's saying there is a party. There is a celebration that I'm inviting you into where there's good things. And, and you're saying no. And so these guys in the story, they all say no. So in the story, the, the master says, well, go. Hey, go invite more people because I want this party filled. And if they're not coming, I want people in this room, which I love because it shows God's heart for people anywhere. He's like, I don't care. I don't care if they don't look like they should be here. I don't care if they're poor. I don't care if they don't have status. I don't care if you find them along the street. I don't care where they're from. Bring them here to celebrate with me at this party. So I love this about the kingdom of God. You have these religious figures that are there. The religious figures are kind of like rejecting Jesus. But he says, I don't care. I want anybody. The invitation's open for anybody to come to me. So as I think about excuses, I think it kind of applies to a few different people in this room. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at. Is some of us, kind of like similar religious leaders. The religious leaders here, they'd done the right things. They'd been around the right people. They'd read the right Bible, like the right Bible growing up. They'd been in the right environment. But when Jesus invites them to be in a personal relationship with him, they kind of reject it. They make excuses. There's some of us that have grown up and we had a good family and we had a good church background. But somehow we've never made a decision to actually personally trust Christ. We've kind of lived off borrowed faith, saying, well, I think my parents were, were Christians, so probably I am too. In this story, Jesus is inviting you to trust him personally. To not just live off the faith of your parents or your youth group leader, but to say yes to Jesus personally. Take away for all those excuses. Man, I just got to get my life fixed, and then I'll come to Jesus. Man, once I start coming to Bible study, then I'll really trust Jesus. Once I stop doing all these things, then I'll trust Jesus. No, Jesus wants you to come to him right now. Get rid of the excuses and come to him. The other person that I think Jesus is talking about is if you've trusted Christ, it's about following him. My guess is Jesus has put on all of our hearts some decisions to make, whether that's relationships, what we do on the weekend, how we talk to others about Jesus, and we're prone to excuses. I've had this kind of conversation a few different times with some guys that I've worked with where they've been in an unhealthy relationship um, where the person they were with just was not helping them walk with the Lord, was actually probably leading them to do some things they were not proud of, things they were not proclaiming, they were excited about. And he'd be like, I don't think this is good for me. Well, what do you think you're going to do? He's like, I don't know. 
kind of probably should break up. I think that'd actually be better for my walk with the Lord and my life overall. Be like, all right. And I'd be like, okay. Like, we talk through that, kind of heart preparation, how to, how to walk through those conversations well. And he's like, well, like, but I can't do it this weekend because this weekend's like Valentine's Day. So I, I can't do it on Valentine's Day. I was like, okay, that makes sense, right? <laughs> and then I'd be like, well, next weekend I can't because it's like our anniversary. So I, I can't break up because it's our anniversary. And it's like, well, well, the next weekend I can't break up because it's like the anniversary of like our first kiss. And then it's like, you know, well, now I can't break up the next week because it's the anniversary of the dessert we had after our first kiss when we saw that one sunset, right? There's always going to be an excuse. For me, uh, I talked about this a few weeks ago. It was drinking, right? It was my big thing that kind of was my next big decision on my walk with the Lord. And there's always excuses where it's like, oh, I'll stop going out. I can't, go, I can't stop going out this weekend because it's my birthday. Right? I can't stop. Well, I can't be next weekend because it's, it's my, my buddy's birthday. And then it's like the next week. It's like, like well, it's, next weekend's my buddy's friend's birthday. But eventually you're at a point where it's like, well, I, I can't stop going out this weekend because it's probably somebody's birthday and it's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? <laughs> there's always an excuse that you can go to. This is also true, not just for those maybe like the more external sins in that kind of way, but God's calling us to feast with him, to spend regular personal time with him in prayer, confession, reading his word. And I know most of us in the room be like, that would be so good for me. I need to do it. And it's like, well, what about this week? And it's like, well, I had a lot of homework this week. Couldn't do it, right? Well, you know, just different things are going on. Well, I didn't know what Bible, I didn't know like what book of the Bible to read. Well, I really didn't know how to pray. Well, I didn't really know how to do this. Um, but a guy, Charles Spurgeon, great pastor in the late 1800s, full of spunk and sarcasm when he'd be preaching. If someone were to tell him those things, like, yeah, I really want to walk with the Lord more, but, uh, you know, just with excuses, he would say to them, he'd be like, Oh, but when I, when I passed you on the street earlier today, I saw you were fully dressed. <laughs> the person would be like, uh, what? Yeah, I was fully dressed. He's like, so, so you found time to get dressed, right? Before you went to work? Well, yeah, of course I did. So that seems like a pretty high priority for you. Do you think you could spend a few moments in prayer as you're getting ready to put your day before the Lord? Somebody else would talk about, I just really want to read scripture. He's like, but I just can't figure out the time. I can't do it. He'd be like, well, I noticed um, you're not starving. Well, yeah, of course I'm not starving. So, so you found time to eat today, probably even two or three meals, right? Well, yeah, of course I found time to eat. So you can, you can find time to eat because it seems necessi like a necessity for your life, but you can't find time to, to feast with the Lord? He said, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to get you to have to spend an hour or two hours a day, but you can't find 15 minutes to talk with Christ and read a chapter of Scripture and pray? He's inviting you to a feast with Him. Say no to the excuses. Be honest with God. This is hard. I don't want to do this. I'm nervous. What is it that keeps you? What are the hidden priorities that are there? Because Jesus wants us to feast with Him. So as you hear those things, I wonder for you, is there an area of your life 
or a specific decision that God's been kind of pressing you on, and you're like, yeah, I've got the whole banquet, or you got the whole kind of array of excuses. Spiritually, I've said that my mom's uncle's dog's having surgery, and so I can't make that decision right now. God wants us to flip our experiences on their head and realize that saying yes to Jesus would be the best decision that you can make. That will be where you'll find the most life. That's where you'll most fully come alive. That's where you'll most fully discover how he's made you to be. And you will actually experience his presence in your life. You actually sense his grace as he forgives you for sins that you've made. You actually sense his power as you begin to follow him. Power to say no to things you used to say yes to and say yes to things that you used to say no to. Power to represent Christ to others. And he's saying, don't you want to eat with me? So I want to invite you in prayer, and as we head into worship, to invite you to say, yes, Jesus, I want to feast with you. I want to stop making excuses. I want to say yes to the feast. So if you've never come to Christ, it's saying, Jesus, I want you to take my life now. I've never actually made that decision. Or if you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, which area is it where you need to say, Jesus, I want to stop making excuses by your grace? Would you lead me to walk deeper with you? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which points us to your grace. Thank you that you're willing to kind of wound us a little bit and put your finger on the places that hurt, but it's to make us better. Lord, will we hear your word well? Will we not be excuse makers, Lord? Will we not miss out on the feast? Because we have other priorities that have become ultimate priorities. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for this community. And I pray even during worship that you'd stir up things in our hearts, that we can confess to you, but also, Lord, stir up faith to make commitments coming out of this evening. Pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of The Morning.